0: Hello, hello. Welcome to Words and Voices, a little sanctuary, a quiet nook where you'll hear hard, raw and humbling conversations with some of the best humans elevating humanity. This is for the round pegs and square holes, the misfits, oddballs, weirdos, tinkerers and thinkers who dig a simple philosophy that one word, one message, one idea and one voice can change the world. So without further ado, here's our chief mischief maker, Neelam Tawar.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Words and Voices, part two with James Gaffney. His website is www.jamespmgaffney.com. Part one of our conversation, as you can see, is all about who James is. I hope you loved him. I just love his guts. And in this part, what we've been talking about is a lot of focus on Asperger's syndrome and and learning disabilities and how James took his confusion as a kid. You know, a lot of us have seen this growing up when you don't fit in or you feel like you have to comply and conform. James talks about how he kind of created context and his confusion as a kid and over time has embraced his his own entity and his own personal agency being who he is. And he's very clear on, hey, listen, if you get me, you get me. If you don't, you don't. And that's quite all right. I don't really need that person orbiting around me. And, And we talk about this in the context of also how our education system has always built to cater to future taxpayers and how this is changing. And of course, you'll hear when him and I are chatting that we need a separate conversation completely around the educational system. You're going to love what he has to say. And we also just really quick cover his thoughts on creativity and how it is non-linear. I talk about how I create as well. You're just going to love listening to him. And his accent helps because I just have this like weird thing with like, slower, more mellow accents. You're going to love Jim. I call him Jim, but (laughs) you guys call him James, please. (laughs) Uh, Enjoy this. And I hope it gives you some context into how to do things differently and how to parent and how to position yourself, especially as we're hitting 2021. So sending you guys a lot of love. Here's part two of my conversation with James P. M. Gaffney. Enjoy. And it's not a phoniness.
2: It's just it's the parts of me that I choose to display to the outside world. I think a lot of people just don't get it. I mean, a lot of people don't get Neilan. A lot of people don't get Land and Porter. A lot of people don't get. A lot of people don't get Jesus Christ. (laughs) There you go. So, you know, why would I expect that everybody in the world is going to get me based on some ridiculous Facebook post?
1: We know each other from the entrepreneurial community and such, but like, were you always like this even growing up? And what was that experience like for you? Was that more challenging than as an adult or was that fairly okay? It was a little
2: more confusing as when I was younger. It was more confusing for me because there seemed to be a little bit of a dichotomy there. Um you know, have all these crazy wild thoughts. And, you know, and I was raised on Mad Magazine and Benny Hill and all the weird shit. And so, I mean, I, I was always kind of the weirdo, but I, I'm actually really, really quiet. I'm a very quiet, very shy person. I was the only child. I prefer being alone, even married and with children. My preference at most times is to be alone with my crazy thoughts but now I've got a platform, easy ways to throw those crazy thoughts out there. And it's kind of therapeutic. And as I've gotten older, I've been able to reconcile that I'm actually quiet Jimbo, but everybody thinks I'm crazy Jimbo. And there's really not a difference there. It's it's just, a, I think it's more of a difference in the way that other people perceive it. And as I got older and got kind of over the concern of how other people perceive what I do or how I do it, it all got to be a little bit easier in my head. And I don't, you know, I don't feel fake in any way. Mm. I I don't feel that, again, the people that I've met in real life that I felt might be disappointed by me, you know, not being the maniac. We're not disappointed. You know, we had a good time and it was all it was good. It's always been good. But, you know, again, as I've gotten older, it's gotten a lot easier and those two seemingly disparate parts have come together.
1: And then with the learning disability, like we both talked about as well, like that part plays into it, too, doesn't it? Because, you know, in the confusion of figuring out your own identity because you think too much or you see things that the differently. Cause I used to see things very differently. Like I would read a book and I'd get emotional, right? Like I would get so connected with that world. And I was able to visualize, I didn't like being in a school, but I didn't really have an option, right? Cause we were expatriates in the middle of Africa. And that was your option. And usually the teachers were housewives, right? So they were the wives of the husbands who were there in those countries working. And these people were not fully qualified even to be like educators. Right. They they just picked whatever they could, and they would just because it's also you know the school system works a certain way there, and so you know you're just studying. They're studying the book to be able to teach it to you, so they have no real knowledge there. And I just didn't enjoy that. And I, I think uh, my mom even said this to me once. She's like, you know, you're you were a very bright child academically, but it shifted after a while as you started like reading more and asking these questions, and we sometimes didn't know what the hell to tell you. And what happened with me? I don't know if this happened to you, but. I started getting into trouble because I was bored out of my freaking mind. And I was just like, what the hell is this system I'm in, man? Like, none of yeah. it was making sense to me. And I literally, I saw that happen in school that I saw that happen in my corporate life where people just, and there's nothing wrong with any of these systems, by the way. I'm, I mean, they need modification as you and I both know, but we can talk about that another time, but, but in itself, I'm not going to ding the structures that are there. Right. Not now. They're there it works for certain people that's a it, that's, that's a whole different podcast yeah. <laughs> that's a whole different i could talk about that for 2 hours if i wanted to but the deal with that though is like that's that structure that system and I, I always felt very restricted because my mind was always outside the classroom or i'd get like really curious about something different than what was being taught i didn't like math naturally and we didn't have any method where they looked at individual skills to help people build the, that individual talent so for me being out of place is so normal (laughs) that even when I'm with my own people, like if, you know, even with my own community, I still take a little bit of time to get in, if that makes sense, because I'm always very guarded. I don't know how to explain that because I don't know what could come out of that. (laughs) And even with my own people, my own tribe, right? Like I just want to be careful because I don't want to say something that I might affect somebody. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've certainly done plenty of things. I regret. You said something that, you were bored. You're know, you bored in school. And so you got into trouble. That's something that absolutely happened to me when I was younger. I was a really good student. They wanted to put me in gifted classes, but I didn't want to go in those because it's funny. I was first, I was dyslexic. Then I was learning disabled. And then they decided to put me in gifted or they offered gifted classes to me. I didn't want to take them because I didn't, I didn't want one more thing to make me different from everybody else. When I hit sixth or seventh grade, I started realizing that being different was good. And I wanted to be different because I was different. Then everybody is, you know, everybody's absolutely different. As far as the educational system goes, this again goes back to kind of the algorithm and this inability to separate people. Educational system and so many of these systems are built on homogenizing people, um, making sure that everybody's very uniform. Because if you really think about it, okay, we've got five kids, we homeschool them. Each one of them has their own very, very different learning style. You know, they each have their own strengths, their own weaknesses. Some of them really excel in some areas. Some of them really suck in other areas. And that's five kids from one family, all raised the same way by the same two parents. And my wife, as a teacher, still struggles with that. Now, take 30 different students from 30 different families with 30 different ways of raising people. How can you possibly teach each one of those in the way that's specific to them in the way that's best for them? So again, they reach for this baseline and that baseline might work for 50% of the people. Unfortunately, it also doesn't work for 50% of the people. and those are the ones that either they wind up labeled as learning disabled or you know troublemakers or weird or you know stupid or whatever and, and I think that's especially damaging at a young age because, If you tell a kid they're stupid, that's going to stick with them for the rest of their lives. And that's so unfair. And I think it's so unfair to try to group, you know, millions and millions and millions of people into a simple formula that only at best defines 50% of them. But that's every system. And, and because because every system needs a baseline to work off of. If everything is loosey goosey, the, the mathematical equation becomes too big, and it's an, it's an impossibility. And we do that as marketers. We have to boil people down into easily understandable and controllable pods of people. And in some ways, it's terribly unfair. And that that's honestly one of the things I have a, the biggest problem with with my job is that I have to make generalizations about human beings. And we're all so wildly different. I mean, just wildly, wildly different. We have similarities. You know, again, I like punk rock music. I don't like Green Day. That's not punk. That's not <laughs> punk music.
1: But, Someone's going to come at you after this, yo. Know, <laughs> yeah, in the well, comment section. Don't get me started on
2: YouTube. Now, that's, YouTube is that's, that's really going to pop off. But it's so hard to, to really.
1: I saw them live, just so you know. Don't judge me. You're getting off this podcast right now. You're like, I'm done with you, Nila. <laughs> I'm out. Bye, bye, <laughs> <laughs> No, I
2: mean it's it's good. My wife likes YouTube. I can't honestly. Half of my irritation and love of poking fun at you two is just because it irritates my wife
1: okay listen in my defense the only reason i went to that concert was because i fancied this guy and he he invited me and i I went so just in my defense just in my defense
2: you don't need to defend yourself (laughs) if if you've heard my music i have have no defense for the type of music i like
1: dude no you've posted stuff on your facebook that i really like actually and i've listened to it any time I've been, every time you share those links, right? I think I've heard two or three of those and I've written comments on it once I heard them.
2: I like the music I like for certain reasons, but sure. I mean, everybody has, again, everybody's got, you know, we have so much in common. You went and saw you too. I would rather <laughs> shove a hot poker up my ass than go see you too.
1: But, but remember get- it was because of a crush.
2: <laughs> I you keep making excuses. You keep making excuses.
1: The thing you were talking about, the homogenizing, I really love that because, like, you know, we be. I think the system was preparing people to be in nine to five jobs, right? I Overall, mean. over a period of 50, 60 years, that's what's been going on. Good, Incomes need to be good taxpayers. Uh, exactly, it's building, good it's building good taxpayers, and then in comes technology, pretty much leveling the playing field, and entrepreneurship kicks up many other things. But it's just not just entrepreneurship; education does better. Pandemic comes; pandemic shows people that hey, your job was telling you you can't go to work, but guess what? You're now working. You, you know, you have to come into work. I'm sorry. And now, hey, guess what? They're making exceptions because there's a pandemic. You can work from home. So people are having this like really warped experience right now, which I think for people like you and me, we've had it over our lifetime. So when we see a shift in economy or we see a shift that is industry wide or whatever it is, I think we're the least phased out people and we probably definitely come across as I don't know, resilient or whatever the word might be. I think maybe even arrogant and it's not any of that. The truth is we've been so out of the box since we were kids that when we see shit go down in the real world that people are running and chasing and making noise in, we're just like, Oh, come on board. Hi, what's up? This is what we've been dealing with for like at least like two to three decades, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is no problem. What is everybody freaking out for? We got to stay at home.
1: That sucks. <laughs> right. But I had to, and this was a slightly little political because I mentioned to you these housewives were running the schools and whatever. I failed a grade. They kept me back a grade. I was already a grade ahead. And they failed the quote unquote failed a grade. And it was like for like, I think it was like three points, not even. It was nothing that big, but you know, these were not educators. They didn't understand what impact it could have on my psychology. So after I hit like eighth grade, I just hated every one of those guys, every one of them. I would see teachers and I'd be like, don't like you, you screwed it up. And, and I, I, it was so difficult for me to even learn from people in that community because I was just like, what do you know? That I think, uh, now that I'm speaking to you about it, it's been such a long time. that I, I think that memory wasn't even there in my head. Like I thought, but yeah, it did impact me actually it it really did, and then how it worked on my psyche was that what I took from it rather at that young age was oh sorry at that at eighth grade, like what do you know about the world right? What I took from that experience was that you have to be good at school or else you're not going to be liked or you're not going to be successful or you're going to be called dumb. You're going to be whatever that storyline was. And so for the longest time, I always was impressed by people who did well at school or people who did school, went to got a job, stuck with their job, retirement plan, white picket fence houses, all of that for for a big a chunky period of time. I thought that's a good thing. And I'm bad because like, I feel the grade, like I'm stupid because I feel the grade. Yeah. It was a very difficult burden to carry by the way.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's the comparison game though. And that's something that I think in so many ways we're just forced into society. And, you know, I, I can't really speak for mm-hmm. other societies, but in American society, there's the, you know, the American dream. There's the keeping up with the Joneses, you know, that sort of stuff. And you're from a very young age, it's kind of drilled into you that you compare yourself to other people who are successful. And if you don't reach that same plateau of success that those other people reach, then you're somehow a failure. The truth is, I've never wanted that. But again, at a young age, I was told that I should want that. And I thought that there was something wrong with me because I didn't want that. Same, same. We all come by that comparison thing really naturally. And I think that, again, systemically, that's kind of drummed into us. Oh, you're in school, but you're not making straight A's and you're not on the dean's list. You're a failure. No, I'm not a failure. I just learn differently. I do things differently. I'm a different fucking person than the people that are on the dean's list. I didn't make an A in that course. I don't give a shit because I learned what I needed to learn. I did what I needed to do. And your grade is absolutely meaningless because all your grade is doing is comparing me to, again, that baseline of 50%. And I'm not 50%. I'm 98% in one way. I'm 3% in another way. And you putting me on that baseline, it really negates who I am as a human being.
1: I would either be too visible or I think I also became too invisible as well. There were times where I would just not even do. And then that. Trait carried in my job, but that's not a good trait to have in a job because people hire you so that you're on the table so that you speak. And a lot of that psychological stuff like played out over years. It was not pleasant, by the way. I mean, now that I'm going back into it as I'm talking to you two, same thing. Same exact feeling like, hey, I think I'm doing life wrong. There's something wrong with me. And then, you know, you make choices from that place, unfortunately, and it's it's subconsciously wired in you. So it will show in the types of jobs you take, the relationships you have, the type of food you eat, many things. It It has so much impact in that. Self-care, all of that stuff boils into it. So I would never wish that upon anyone. And I think maybe part of the reason why I go and do these sessions that I do in schools and universities is because... I don't know, maybe I'm looking for a version of me in there to just say like, hang in there, dude, like this, this shit gets easier after you get out. Like, and trust me, like if you're a bit different, not be, there, there's a propensity to listen to that word. You're different. You're weird. You want to do something out of the norm or whatever in a classroom here. Like let's say I'm speaking in India or somewhere else as well. Like it's, it's become more, more open. And I just want them to be able to see a part of them in me, I guess that hey, it kind of worked out <laughs> just ride the wave, like just, stay with it and don't lose yourself in the noise and the stereotyping of things because your friends might want something and that doesn't mean that you need to want the same thing. And this is not just about peer pressure. I'm talking about it from like a bigger perspective, right? Like,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we're, we're all so different. We're all so different. We're not computers and we're not, we can't be computerized. Basically how it is. And you know, but I I think there's also this kind of human desire to categorize people, but it makes it really, really difficult to categorize people. If you really start looking at what makes everybody so different from everybody else, And again, as, as marketers, and then that sort of stuff, we have this tendency and this need to boil people down into, into very specific little niches. Mm -hmm. And that in the real scale of human relationship, that does such a disservice to each of us as individuals. We're, because we are, we're all so wildly different. There are certain things that we all do the same, certainly, but we're also wildly different. And it's so impossible to, to really boil us down to, to, to that baseline because there's, there's, there is no baseline. You know, we talked about the neurodivergence stuff. You know, what is different? If everything is different, what is really different? Right. You know, it's just different. And we're all different. And that's all. And it's beautiful. That's the thing of it. it. It's it's amazing. And it's beautiful. It can be terribly frustrating because you wind up dealing with some real douchebags. But <laughs> it's amazing because there's, there's this rainbow of experience and thought and trials and tribulations that, that get kind of whitewashed over in the name of keeping things neat and orderly. I'm a big believer in chaos.
1: Yeah me, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. I think it's so strange because I think my head is always full. And I think meditation is a good thing. I do this because I can just sit for a little bit. But I don't go there to achieve anything when I'm meditating. I sit there and I'm just like, All right, I'm just, whatever needs to come comes, whatever needs to go, go. I'm not trying to get better at meditation. I'm just trying to get better at doing life. Yep. Right. And yep. it's a tool for me to like live a certain way so that I don't just crash land anywhere <laughs> because that yeah. can happen. And I think that is like really important because like chaos for me is about creation. And if I don't have so I even when I wrote like when I was really in my writing phase, which I'll get back into hopefully later this year. But when I get into my writing phase, I do a lot of lot of crazy amount of reading. It's so erratic like i could be reading quantum physics i could touch something like really out there i might read on i might read gemology i don't even know what i will what pieces of content i will touch and then i'll read some like hardcore like you know i don't know 10th century bc like literature or some like really ancient writing because i need my brain full to be able to sit and write so i I don't know how that i don't know if it'll make sense to anybody who's listening but i think you're nodding your head so you kind of know what i'm talking about because i need that influx of that kind of like information and noise if you will so that i can then step away from it and just be like all right now i'm gonna sit and do this well
2: ideas aren't linear
1: they aren't right like that's what i think too
2: (laughs) there's no straight line in an idea. An idea is just kind of a point. And then there's so many spider webs and fingers and pieces that come off of this single point, as opposed to it being this straight line of, okay, idea to completion. It doesn't work that way. And I would say it doesn't work that way in most people's brains. I'm the same way, you know, and I meditate and I have morning routines and evening routines and that sort of stuff that it's not about seeking something. It's just about quieting all that stuff down and pulling it down into a slightly more manageable or more compartmentalizable set so that I can then go after it and, you know, actually get shit accomplished as opposed to just thinking about it. But I'm the same way. I, I read all kinds of weird shit. I mean, and it's all <laughs> over the place. Do
1: you have books under your bed as well?
2: <laughs> uh, there's, you should, we have books. Every, everywhere. Every Mine's everywhere. Um, and I love it. I love it. I love being able to pick up a book and just, you know, flipping through it and and finding something. And I actually have a really hard time reading a book straight start to yeah. finish. You know, it's so like I'll I'll read a chapter and it'll spark something in me and it'll take me six months to get back to the second chapter because I've got to explore everything that comes off of that single point. It's it's all the spider webs and, and stuff. And I know I'm not alone. You know, you said no, before, no, you're not. so many people are like that. And you see this stuff on Facebook all the time. I read 78 books this year. Okay, like, right, fucker, how much of that did you actually retain? And
1: I mean, how, much how much of, of that, that did you actually
2: able to apply?
1: Exactly. I was just going to say that. Like, how much of that did you implement? Because you can read the books, and I, you know, I was actually going to ask you this as one of our questions today was like, did you read a lot growing up? Because I feel like I connect so quickly with people who read. I can tell that these people read because of just the way they write. I think the way they communicate in a non-verbal format and in just written. I have turned down. Dates because of the way people wrote. I'm not even lying. I'm not joking. And my mom is like, You can't, you can't, why? You're that picky. I was like, I'm not picky. I just know that this, I'm not saying I can't judge somebody. So I'll still wait to see, like, how is the threat coming? Ask a few questions and see, how do you think? How do you think? Are you open-minded? What is your experience in life and whatever, right? Because my brother is an engineer, okay? So like, I don't expect engineers to be fantastic at everything because they don't want to sit and like, yeah. So there are certain personality types that might not be fantastic at that, but like, you don't want to judge people just on that. But I've done it because I've seen like, when you write U, R, like with a U and an R, I'm just like, we went to school. Please put Y-O-U-A-R-E. We can do this. We can all do this. And I don't mean to sound like one of those people who doesn't like day there. And I actually don't, but you know, I don't want to judge people for some of this stuff, but I'm just like, how are we going to communicate if we can't even do this? Because it's going to be such a turnoff for me, not to even be able to read. Like I've done that. I've done that.
2: Yeah, And enough with the fucking emojis.
1: Dude, I, have,
2: I, <laughs> I think the emoji is, has ruined language faster than anything else. Oh, my God. I say something funny, so I'm going to put a, a smiley face at the end of it so everybody knows it. The
1: only time, yeah, the only time I've had to put a smiley face is when I've realized that someone's going to look at that and think Neelam is pissed. This was a while ago, not recently, and I was just like, I've only done it to balance that off, but I've usually never done it. I just write, my writing is so dry. Unless I'm doing poetry or short stories. Yeah. You know, yeah.
2: <laughs> it, it's so funny. And, and you know, and I, and I don't really feel that that's judgmental, you know. But, I, right.
1: Thank I, you for saying that because I just feel like, I, like if you can't write in a one to one conversation, which is hopefully leading to something, you know, bigger, then I, I don't know. It yeah, wouldn't it's, work for I mean, me.
2: It, it, it's a tell. You know, you see somebody and they're wearing a Deaf Leopard t shirt and you hate Deaf Leopard, right? Poor writing is my deaf leopard t-shirt. You know, I, sure. I see these people, I'm like, eh, I don't know if we're going to really work out that well together. And, and I've been I proven that. wrong. I, I've been proven wrong, and I'm happy to be proven wrong. But you have to have that you have to have ways of, you know, defining who you want to hang out with and who you don't. And for me, that is one of them, the, the language that they use and how well they write. I don't think it's an indicator of intelligence. I don't think it's an
1: indicator. Oh yeah. I didn't think about it that way. Uh,
2: That's a different person, but, and they've got a different way of going about things. And I know from experience that a lot of times those people and I are just not compatible and it's not judgmental. It's my perception and it's my protecting of myself and my energy and letting these people into my world that have no business being there or, or just going to eventually cause me pain or discomfort or irritation or whatever. Life's too short for that.
1: And energy spent, yes. right? Expended. Oh, wasted rather. <laughs>
2: People talk about time is the one thing you can't get back. That's bullshit. Energy is the one thing you can't get back. You know, you put that out there, you don't get it back. You know, and you've yeah. only got a finite amount of energy to spend in this world. And I don't feel the need to spend it on everybody. And if that makes me a judgy dickhead, then that's fine.
1: Should we end it at judgy dickhead? I don't know.
2: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, I, I do need
1: to get on the 11 o'clock. But yeah, yes, we, we should end <laughs> on Judgy Dickhead. Let's By the way, it was awesome having you here. I oh, loved it. Great, it. I, I, I knew it was going to be fun, but and now I discovered there was one more thing we have in common about the whole writing style, which I had no idea. Do you have any, any final things you want to just like throw at people if you, you want to riff for like a minute or something?
2: Just have fun. That's really all we're here to do you know, we're here to create and have fun. I think that's what the universe means for all of us.
1: Thank you, Mr. Guru.
2: Thank you, Neil. I appreciate that.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. I loved having you and I hope we'll do this again. And and the next time we'll definitely talk about the educational system and whatnot.
2: Boy, I can get it going on that one. (laughs) Thanks. The judgy dickhead. Okay, that is lovely. Yeah, thanks for saying that.
0: Thanks so much for stopping by Words and Voices with Neelam Tawar. We can't wait to see you again with another voice and more words from game changers, movers and shakers and quiet visionaries creating a dent in the world. Oh, and please don't forget to comment and share what resonated with you here or on info at NeelamTawar.com. Till we meet next and as Neelam says, be good to you.